Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. Many nonprofits rely on volunteers to make their organizations a success. And while those volunteers are often individuals who choose to give of their time, businesses often provide volunteers in various ways. Helping bring those businesses together with nonprofits is the mission of Business Volunteers Unlimited. And here to tell us how that works is its president and now CEO, Biz Vidoris. Biz, thanks for joining us today. Dan, thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to be here. Before we talk about what BVU does, let's talk about you for just a second. And of course, on the website, your name is listed as Elizabeth. So how did we get to Biz? We got to Biz uh, when my sister was little. She couldn't say my name properly. She called me Bizabeth, and it always stuck. So just growing up, I was always Biz. And when I moved back here in the 90s, of course, introduced myself as a young professional to everyone as Elizabeth. And because I grew up here and people knew me, they started calling me Biz. And now I think Dick Pogue still calls me Elizabeth. My father always called me Elizabeth. And Denise O'Brien in our office calls me Elizabeth. But everybody else just calls me Biz. So it stuck. Okay. <laughs> That's not bad. Very good. Yeah, so stuck. you say you came here in the early 1990s. That's the early days of Business Volunteers Unlimited. How'd you become involved? Oh my gosh. It was, um, I was getting my master's in history at Kent and uh, realized that I didn't want to go on for my PhD and started doing informational interviewing and I ended up meeting Alice Korngold, the founding CEO of BVU. And she they didn't have any money. And I was doing a little bit of writing for some different magazines. And uh, she said, I can hire you, but I can't give you any money. Can you start as a volunteer? And I had a couple other offers at the time, but was so crazy about the mission, thought it sounded so cool. So took a leap of faith and joined as a volunteer. And then we got our first grants from the Gunn Foundation and the Cleveland Foundation. And uh, the rest was history. The key to any successful business is finding something that people need. So how did, I mean, this is an interesting niche that, how, how did this come about? Because it's like, how did you realize that here are these businesses that want to volunteer and then there's these nonprofits who need help? Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's such a cool story. So the the heads of uh, community relations at five big businesses in Cleveland back in the early 90s, it was Jones Day, Key Bank, TRW, Eaton, and oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I'll, but anyway, so there were the five big businesses and they said that the nonprofit sector kept coming to them saying, oh, and BP kept coming to them and saying, we, can, we need your CEO on the board. And they said, we've got all these fabulous people, but the CEOs can't serve on any more boards. So the head of community relations got together and said, how do we create a vehicle that will get more business, more of the people at our businesses involved and also get more businesses involved? So that was just their kernel of an idea back then. And we did a lot of, so they, they hired some staff and engaged us and jumped forward to today. We sit at such a unique position in the community. We're a bridge between probably over 120 businesses a year and over 700 nonprofits. I think that the, the notion was right there and it's a very unique place to sit at that intersection. So it's really been uh, successful. How's BBU funded? We are funded by a combination of businesses. So early on, we looked around the country to see who else was doing this and some organizations. So the way we get folks involved, uh, the way we work with businesses is we help to connect their folks, either as board members or as skill-based volunteers or direct service volunteers. And then we also do education for businesses and consulting. And we actually do the same thing, connect, educate, and consult on the nonprofit side as well. But we looked around the country and other cities were trying to connect board members and they were charging nonprofits. And we started talking to our businesses and they said, no, this is actually an incredible leadership development opportunity. Um, it's great to get our people involved and engaged in the community. So we'll actually pay an annual membership fee. So we, back again, you know, over two decades ago, we created this business membership 
And that's really been the secret to our sauce and to our sustainability is that businesses see the value, they uh, pay us a membership fee, and then we work with them to get their employees involved. These are people who want to be involved. We're just making it possible um, and helping connect them to the right places. So I wanted to mention though, so it's not just, so it's we're about 40% businesses. We get terrific foundation support and the foundation support our work for nonprofit organizations. And then we do have some fees for service and our board members are, are very supportive as well. So that's our revenue model. Cranes, we reported on this story. We certainly saw in other media sources as well. Over this last year, volunteering has become a difficult thing because of COVID. How did you help assist in that situation since so many people couldn't go work at places like the food bank or couldn't go help in places just because of the COVID restrictions? Yeah, that's been, oh gosh, incredible. Um, and, and so then the National Guard coming in to help the food bank. I mean, it's really, you know, the nonprofits need these volunteers and, and COVID really made that so challenging. So I look at volunteers and uh, if there are three stories. So if you think about um, the board members, so connecting people to boards, the demand for that for board members, but also for people to go onto boards was steady, if not rising during COVID. So people said, I want to get involved. I want to help. I can do this. And so we were able to connect a lot of people to boards. So that's one way that people got involved. Another way that really dramatically grew during COVID was that folks said, I can use my skills and expertise to help nonprofits with specific short-term projects. So I'm not going to go sort donations or plant trees, but I can use my skills for these time-bound projects. So people helped nonprofits figure out how to get their phone systems so that people could answer their phones at home, or how do we furlough employees, or how do we uh, transfer? So all of these specific operational projects for nonprofits so many people got involved as volunteers um, to help nonprofits in our Skilled Connect program. And that grew so much that we're going to continue to focus our energy. And I think that's something that we can continue to offer virtually. And people during their lunch hour could spend, you know, an hour during their lunch hour helping a nonprofit and feel like they'd really made a difference. So uh, the Skill Connect program is another way that people were able to give back during COVID. The direct service hands-on volunteerism, some organizations continued to engage direct service volunteers, but most didn't. It's just now coming back. And um, we see a lot of businesses, uh, we have a summer of service going on right now. We see a lot of businesses uh, that like to get folks out in teams because it's just a great opportunity for people to work together outside the workplace. It's good for team building and morale. So we will see more of these team volunteer projects um, coming back in the future. But that's something that really, obviously, uh, nonprofits couldn't accommodate it and businesses that, you know, people weren't going out in teams to volunteer. Join us this year for our flagship 40 Under 40 Awards, which highlight the city's best and brightest leaders who've made an impact within their organization and beyond before their 40th birthday. If you know someone deserving of a nomination for a Cranes 40 Under 40 Award, go to cranescleveland.com and click Nominate under the Awards tab before nominations close August 23rd. There's a social nature to volunteering. The nonprofit certainly could use the help and the businesses like to provide it, but it's also interesting for the volunteers themselves. That was gone for a year. Were you able to do anything to help the volunteers themselves? Were you able to, were there any activities or events that sort of kept them together? Mm, that's interesting. So we don't have a pool of volunteers. We refer the volunteers to the nonprofits. So I imagine that the not, some of the nonprofits were very creative in engaging their volunteers in the interim or finding things that they could do at home. Um, but we don't actually have our own pool of, you know, the, the huge okay. pool of volunteers that we would engage, but we tried to find other ways to engage people other than the traditional hands-on direct service volunteerism. Let's talk for a moment about the board matching program and the importance of board development. Your VBU really tries to put an emphasis on getting younger people to become involved as leaders and joining boards. How do you engage and integrate them into, into these nonprofit boards? Hmm, that's a great question. 
So diversity and inclusion in the boardroom is so important and, uh, and having young people have a place at the table is, um, is critically important to just the sustainability of our sector and the, and the growth of the you know, leadership in Cleveland or in greater Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. Several years ago, probably 15 years ago, we created a program called Linking New Leaders where we, it's almost a speed dating to get young professionals connected to nonprofits. And sometimes it was a committee and sometimes it was a board. It depends, but it's just, it's a networking, a speed networking. And that continued even, you know, through COVID that stay, that program stayed very strong in a virtual format. And so we're connecting p- young professionals. And then we're also uh, two nonprofit opportunities. We're training them, but even taking a step back for, um, from the young professional perspective and also from the employer or the business perspective, thinking about getting these young professionals involved right away as direct service volunteers or even in the Skill Connect program. So even before the board service, so that they're exposed to different nonprofits. It's again, it's great. Um, it's a great way to utilize your skills outside the workplace, good leadership development, team building. And I think if people are exposed to many different nonprofits before they even consider joining a nonprofit board, it makes them a much they really understand the complexities that our communities nonprofits are dealing with, and it makes them a more sensitive and effective board member right from the start. So I think having kind of having a, a path of volunteerism and board service is just one step on that path, but there are other ways to get involved even before board service. Certainly, I know BBU has made it a point to work on helping to diversify boards. Did you increase those efforts even further over this last year or so? Yeah, Dan, thanks. You know, since we were doing a strategic plan back in 2008. And when we, uh, before we will ever refer a board member to a nonprofit, we do something called a needs assessment where we sit down with the, the, the staff leader and the board leader and learn about the logistics of the board and how it works. But what we really end up learning about is just what keeps the you know executive director up at night. It's just, you know, what, what are the challenges you're facing? And oftentimes they would say, we need a board member who can help us with fundraising uh, and we also need diversity on our board. And so we would unpeel that and realize what is, you know, what diversity for what, what are the perspectives that you need? What are the skills and expertise that you need? So that's what we've always done to help nonprofits. But in 2008, we recognized that over 90% of the nonprofits asking us to help with board referrals were looking for diversity. So in 2008, we launched something called the Minority Pipeline Initiative. And the leaders of that were Randy McShepard and Eddie Taylor and really focused on diversifying the, the pipeline focusing primarily on racial diversity of our board matching pipeline. Jump forward to 2020, and that's a program that was still in process, but we reinvigorated the program. Uh, 14 additional people from the community joined our task force. We did a great deal of outreach to identify a, a much broader and more diverse pool of potential board matching candidates. We did training and, um, it, and engaged them in our board matching pipeline. So it's something that we uh, really reinvigorated in 2020. And right now our board, uh, in the past 10 years, our board matching has been at about 15% people of color. And right now it's at 26%. So we're really trying to grow that. But at the same time, it's like, it's almost a supply and demand. So we want to make sure that there's a very uh, a diverse pool of potential board candidates, but also on the nonprofit side, making sure that nonprofits are really thoughtful about what diversity and inclusion looks like in their specific boardroom. So it's not only that, you know, we need uh, a certain percentage or number of people of color, but what does inclusion look like? How do we really integrate and engage and make sure that there's a strong sense of inclusion in the boardroom? So we're doing trainings for nonprofits on that topic as well, so that we're really trying to balance the supply and the demand. 
Does BVU do any training for people who are going to join boards? So you say, well, I'm John Smith and I'm going to be on the board of the Cleveland Museum of Art or whatever organization. Is there training for them? Because I know sometimes you think, well, I could be on a board. It would seem easy enough, but perhaps the knowledge isn't there. That's so... It's, I was just talking about, so we have um, something called the role of the board and we've been doing it since I think the third year in, once we started matching people to boards, we realized we had to train them. So we've been doing it for 25 years and we offer it quarterly and it's a great, what's, I think what makes us special too, is that we've never been, we're very practical. Our trainings are practical. We're giving people hands-on information. What's the role of the board? What are your legal and fiduciary responsibilities? What are the trends that are happening in nonprofits right now? And, you know, what are best practices that we're seeing in boards? So it's a three-hour overview of the role of the board. And I've been presenting this for years, and I keep thinking that nobody's going to come. Hasn't everybody been? We still get about 100 people each time because, so people in our board matching pipeline are attending, but then also some boards use it as just part of their board orientation. Um, And again, I think it's just, and then what we see is that the folks who go through our board matching program and go through the training understand that it's it is a real commitment and you need to be passionate about the mission and you need to understand your role. And those folks, you know, 60% of them wind up in leadership positions within the first year because they're ready to hit the ground running. So it's a, you know, it's a great session. It's, it's very straightforward. Um, and, you know, people say, oh yeah, I kept that, you know, I kept my materials and I reference, you know, reference back to them all the time. But again, it's just a great practical overview of your responsibilities. And it's just not something that most of us learn in school. That's great. Biz Vidoris joins us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. She is the president and CEO of Business Volunteers Unlimited. Uh, I know that Business Volunteers also does things with for-profit companies. Say, as Sherwin-Williams will come in and work with a nonprofit company, what sort of advice or what sort of seminars would they be putting on for a nonprofit? Oh, so that's interesting. So the way we get involved businesses, again, we get their employees involved. Um, and if they are involved as a board member, then you know then they're getting involved as a board member. But again, if they're in that Skill Connect program, they might be doing a project for a nonprofit organization. They could be doing a training. It's um, it really varies uh, across the board. The most frequent topics that uh, businesses um, bring their skills into nonprofits are in human resources, in technology, in finance. Uh, and in marketing. So those are the most common ways. And then also doing some coaching. So that's how most businesses, the employees at businesses get involved as skill connector pro bono volunteers to uh, work with specific nonprofit organizations. We do about 30 seminars at BVU each year, um, just on the topics of community engagement and governance and management of nonprofits. And we oftentimes will um, invite somebody from the business community to present on a topic Um, of, you know, just how, you know, the business approach to a particular issue that the nonprofits might be able to leverage to address their issues and challenges. So we do leverage. I think, again, that's what makes us unique, that we can get the skills and the expertise from the business community and bring it to uh, the nonprofits. One of the areas I heard that nonprofits often need guidance with is creating a succession plan. Why is that? Well, um, I think some of your most valuable assets are your people at the board and at the staff level. So uh, for the nonprofit staff, looking at your top, and this is actually something that Brian Broadbent, who just retired as BBU CEO, he brought uh, developed a consulting practice to help nonprofits think about succession planning. And it's just, again, a very practical approach to um, A, if your chief executive or a top leader wins the lottery tonight and drives to Florida, what do we need to know to keep the doors open and the organization operating tomorrow? 
but also in the longer term. Right now, there's a war for talent. So, you know, are there high potential employees within your organization that with the right grooming, um, they could move into leadership? Who are they and how are we going to groom them over the years so they can move into leadership? And at BVU, we modeled uh, best practices. Um, it was almost it was in November of 2019. And I again, I've been at BVU since we were founded um, and we all had succession plans. And I've been on Brian's succession plan as somebody who potentially could move into the leadership. But the board still went through a very uh, thoughtful, careful interview process. I had to make a resume, which I hadn't done in 28 years and a vision <laughs> statement for BVU and all that. But so then we transitioned. I became the president in January of 2020 and took over the internal operations and Brian stayed on as CEO and did a lot of our outreach and uh, business development. And um, we really built kind of a strategy for those, the 18 months of exactly what we were going to do month by month to make a successful transition. Now, COVID certainly added a special spice to that. I mean, it was just, you know, added so much more challenge to that process. But I think that succession planning is what made our transition so smooth and other organizations are using this same strategy that they've shared and it's really worked for them as well in terms of making a smooth transition. I think it's also important at the board level to think about succession planning and you've got a great board chair. Who's the next board chair? Who's the board chair two out and how are they being groomed? Because so often somebody might join a board and if they don't serve as a committee chair before they move into an officer role, they might not really know how well they work with the staff and they might not have tested their leadership with the board. So I think your best board chairs are groomed by serving as uh, the chair of an important committee before they move into officer roles. Since you go back to the beginning days of BVU, how have things changed? Are nonprofits looking for something different when they come to you as, as opposed to maybe the year 2000 or 1998? When we started, we were really about board matching. We actually um, were featured on the front page of the Wall Street Journal back in 1999 because the program in Cleveland here was so unique and got calls from all over the country to replicate it. So the focus was really on the board matching and we're matching people and we're training them. And um, so, Dan, let's say we, we you went through our board matching program and you ended up joining a board. You might call us a couple months later and say, I love the mission of this organization they're not really doing what you said they were supposed to be doing during the training. So we ended up developing consulting practices. So uh, the first was really focused on board development and helping boards understand what's, what's our role and therefore what's our structure and composition. What does this need to look like? And then, as I said, Brian developed succession planning and then we started doing strategic planning. So I think that's what's evolved for us is um, taking a much deeper dive with the nonprofits that we're working with because in the end, if we're all about, you know, trying to engage, you know, our mission is to engage businesses with nonprofits, uh, we want to make the nonprofit as strong as possible so that it can succeed in its mission and also so that, you know, everybody has a good experience. So I think the consulting is what's new. And then the other thing that happened about 10 years ago, we merged with the Center for Nonprofit Excellence in Akron. So now we have a much larger regional footprint, which has been incredibly positive uh, for, for us at BVU. And we've got great board members and nonprofits that we serve in Akron as well. So on a more personal note, how did you survive the pandemic? What did you do for fun? Binge watch something? Read a lot? <laughs> what did you do to keep, keep sanity? Oh my gosh. I'd love to. Yeah, we need to. So one thing, I don't know if anybody's seen uh, Biggest Little Farm have you seen that? It's fabulous. My son started during the pandemic. He he works for a vet, but he also builds chicken coops for people and then he services them. So we uh, watched Biggest Little Farm and kind of fell in love with supporting him. And now we have chickens and ducks and everything else in, in our yard as well. 
Yeah, and then anything, any historical fiction, just absolutely love, like Marie Benedict's books. I mean, so that's my recommendation, though, if anybody hasn't seen it, Biggest Little Farms, fabulous. I'll have to check that out. Any vacations for this summer or oh. coming up in the fall? Ready to travel? Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, my husband has planned a thousand incredible trips around the world to Uganda and the Maldives during COVID. That's what he does. He dreams. But in reality, we're going to head east to Cape Cod to see my 92-year-old father-in-law for a couple of days. So, but it, that's one—that's another thing we did a lot during COVID. Is just you know planned all these—not uh, planned, but dreamed about these incredible vacations someday. I say we spent a lot of time pulling out pictures of past vacations and sighing, thinking, "Oh, I hope we can go there again." <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully, we all could take those vacations, and can, you guys can continue to do the great work you do. That's—it's wonderful to match these organizations, nonprofits who need help, and businesses are there to do it. So, Biz, thanks for joining us today. Great pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Ms. Vidoris is the president and the CEO of Business Volunteers Unlimited. You can find out more about them when you visit our Cranes Cleveland website at cranescleveland.com. For our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.